We're starting a brand new series today, and it really is my absolute favorite series. And I'm going to throw lemons at y'all during the message, so just be ready. If you've never been here before, uh, that's how I can't, no, no. Um, and so this, this is really, it, it's my favorite series because you picked it. Every year during Easter, if you've ever been to one of our Easter services, uh, we have an Easter survey. And so we just, you know, like to, uh, you can update your information. Um, and that's one of the reasons we do that Easter survey. But the biggest reason is to give you the opportunity to, uh, to write down a topic or something in the Bible that you would like to hear taught on. And so all, all five years that we've been at church, we've done this. And uh, 2019 was actually the last time we did this series because 2020 was a weird year. Uh, and uh, 2021 uh, was a little weird too. And so here we are now. We've got three years of topics. And I love going through these topics because there's all kinds of incredible things that, 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 that you have um, asked. And it's really hard to pick one. It's hard to pick three. Uh, so we're going to do three th- this, this, uh, on this series But there's every single year, there's one topic that beats them all. Since we've been doing this, uh, you know, 2017, every year there's this topic and it's worded in different ways. It sounds like, what does the Bible say about worrying? How can I stop worrying? I'm really, really stressed. I don't know how to handle it. I have anxiety. And it's, it's keeping me from doing things. It's keeping me from working some days. It's keeping me from, these are what I, I see. And so that topic has been at the top of the list every year. And so we're going to start this series out with that topic. And it's a weird subject, but there was a poll done last year. Barna did a poll. And nine out of ten Americans agreed that they're having trouble staying sane right now. Right? Can you? I felt that when I read that. I was like, I felt that. I feel better. You know, nine out of ten. That's that's big. The Journal of American Medical Association put out an article two years ago, and they have come to the conclusion that the United States is the most anxious country in the world, based on the research that they've done. So, if anxiety was an Olympic sport, we would have a gold medal. If you're an American. So many people deal with this. Robert Leahy, he wrote a book called Unravel Your Fears Before They Unravel You. And in this book, he said the average child today exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient of the 1950s. So this is just not an adult thing. Kids are feeling this. All the way down to, you know, Children. And so the topic, the question was, what does the Bible say about anxiety? How do I deal with my anxiety? And so I hope to answer some of those questions. But before we do, I just wanted to to give you a couple things. These are some tweets that I thought were funny. The devil works hard, but my anxiety works harder. (laughs) Meeting God at the pearly gates. Are you mad at me? Question mark, question mark, question mark. I'm very laid back. I really only care about two things. Every person on earth and their opinion of me and the crushing psychological weight of being alive. I thought that was good. Great news. I found the cure for my anxiety. 
All I need is for everyone I know to tell me definitively that they aren't mad at me once every 15 seconds forever. <laughs> I thought that was good. And so the Bible does talk about anxiety. And the word used uh, in the scripture that we're going to be going over today in Philippians 4, the Greek word is merimneo. And it, to define it, it's a distracting care. It's to be drawn in different directions or to seek to promote one's interests. And so the word merimnao is actually two Greek words. It's a noun and a verb. The verb means to divide, to divide. the noun is your mind. So the Bible de defines anxiety as a divided mind. I've heard it said that the anxiety is the dance between your mind and your body. That there's a lot that happens there. And I know that, you know, a lot of people struggle with this. The anxiety, it asks a lot out of people. Maybe you've heard these questions before in your own life. Anxiety asks you to control everything and everyone. <laughs> anxiety. Most anxiety, I think, is when we try to control things that are out of our control. But anxiety wants you to control everything and everyone. It's really attached to outcomes. So if things don't go the way that you thought they were going to go or the way that you prayed for them to go, well, we start analyzing and we get in our minds and, and, and we start wondering, why didn't that happen? What, what could I have done differently? Anxiety wants you to control everything and everyone. Anxiety asks you to figure everything out on your own. Don't ask for help. Don't reach out to nobody. You got yourself in this trouble. You got to get yourself out of this trouble. Anxiety likes to isolate you. Anxiety asks you to live in fear because the world is a dangerous place. I think anxiety and fear are like second cousins. You know, fear is you were walking through your yard and you seen a rattlesnake and it scared you. Anxiety is never walking outside barefoot ever again because you're afraid a rattlesnake's going to bite you. And so you live in fear constantly. Anxiety asks you to stay in fear. Anxiety asks you to focus on the problem constantly because that's all there is. It's just this focus on maybe what's wrong or what's bothering you. And so if you've ever heard those questions, if you've ever felt those things, you're in good company. It means you're human. <laughs> it means you care about something or someone. There's no way to live this life and not have some kind of stress or anxiety, right? I mean, you've got to be responsible for yourself, and that, that's got a lot of responsibility with it, a lot of, lot of stress, a lot of things that go along with that. But I want you to know if you've ever struggled with anxiety, or you do now, it just means you're human. You're not a second-class person. You're not a second-class Christian. There's some great men and women in the Bible that struggled with anxiety. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when his friends wouldn't pray with him for just a few minutes, they fell asleep. He began to pray, and the Bible said that his sweat, he was so anxious that the nerve endings in his skin burst, and he began to sweat drops of blood. The only time I could see that ever, I found that ever happening in history was in World War I under severe torture. People would sweat drops of blood. Jesus experienced anxiety. Paul, 
wrote about times in his life where he would say things like, I would rather be absent from this body and to be present with God. Because <laughs> it's, 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 it's getting so difficult to live with this mind and these emotions that I'm just ready, I'm just ready to, to go home. David, a third of the Psalms are Psalms of reorient, or disorientation. Psalms like Psalm 22, my God, my God, why, why have you forsaken me? What's going on? My world is falling apart. David wrote about it. I'm so glad we have the book of Psalms because you get, the, the, you get to see what's going on in the mind of a person that's anxious, that life is not working the way that he thought life was going to work. And so he's overwhelmed and he, and he doesn't know what to do. That's Psalm 22. A third of the Psalms are Psalms of disorientation. Where, where David thought life was going to work out a certain way, and then it doesn't. And he doesn't know what to do. And so he writes what he's feeling. And so I don't want to, to say today that I have a magic wand that can cure anxiety, because it doesn't exist. And I don't want to say today that there's one cure for anxiety, because I don't believe that. Because I have many friends, including myself, where counseling has helped them with anxiety. Or a doctor, a good doctor, has helped them find the medication they need to help them with their anxiety. And then there's people who can take the, the Bible and Scripture, and that has helped them with anxiety. And so there's not just like one path, I don't believe. And I think that there's not just one cure. But I want you to know, if you've ever struggled with anxiety, that there's, there's, a, there's a way to get out of the valley of worry. That it doesn't last forever. And I think it comes in waves, right? You've been out in the Gulf before. It, it, the tide comes in and things get heavy and, and, and there's a lot of motion and there's a lot happening and it's rough and then, it, and then it calms. And so for some people, you know, counseling has helped them. For some people, a doctor has helped them. For some people, scripture has helped them. And so today I want to kind of take the approach of what does scripture say about anxiety? And it's funny to me that uh, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote about his own struggle with anxiety, his own struggle with things in his life that he couldn't figure out how to cure, thorns in his flesh, things that just didn't go the way that he thought, I think he penned the most beautiful verses that we have on anxiety and how to get out of that valley of worry. And it's in Philippians chapter 4. I want to read it together. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Again, he's writing from a prison, probably bleeding, has a lot going on. This is not a guy who's sitting on, a, on an island drinking Mai Tais poolside, right? This is a guy who has a lot of stress in his life, a lot of responsibility. And this is what he writes, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, 
pure, lovely, admirable. If there's anything good or praiseworthy going on in your life, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, put it into practice. And here's the promise. The God of peace will be with you. So I want to take that verse. I think there's four pillars there, four things in that verse, and one promise. The promise is the peace of God. But before we dive in, when I read that, you know, and most of you probably heard that verse before, be anxious for nothing? Like, really? I mean, I can't worry about my family? Like, the economy? Like, like World War III? Like, I mean, come on. Like, is there, is there anything? Like, aliens? I think we're not alone? I mean, come on. Like, I'm pretty sure they're walking around and we don't even know. Like, like can, is there anything that I'm, that I'm allowed to worry about? Don't worry. I mean, don't be anxious for nothing. And I think the better way to, to translate that verse would be to, to never be in a continuous state of anxiety for anything. It's not that you're never going to be anxious, because that's, I wish that if somebody told you that, they're lying to you. If somebody told you, hey, this is going to cure your anxiety, you're never going to be anxious again. Well, if you know what that, please tell me and let me, let me try some, because I, there's, I don't think there's any way to avoid anxiety as long as we're alive and on this planet. I mean, responsibility is the key to life, and so we're going to have things in our, stress in our life and anxiety. And so... The presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. That's what I want to talk about. When it hits you so hard you can't go to work, and you can't get out of bed, and and you can't do the things that God has called you to do, because that's where the enemy wants you to live, is in a prison, locked up in fear, afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next month. And so that, that's really where I want to go today. And I want to share with you an acrostic that has helped me out. And I didn't write this acrostic. Um, it, it came from a book by a, a pastor named Max Lucado. And he wrote a book on, on these verses called Anxious for Nothing. And so if this is something that you want to go deeper in, that's a great book. But in this acrostic, there's four things. It's the word calm. C-A-L-M. It's helped me remember this verse and to be able to recall it easily. And so the first thing that Paul says is rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. He says it twice. And so number one, C, celebrate God's goodness. Every day. Every single day. Celebrate God's goodness. I've had two pastors now tell me the same thing. I've asked, you know, I like to ask questions and pastors that have been pastoring their whole life and now they've retired. Both of these guys have passed their churches on and their churches are healthy and thriving. And I I like to spend time with those guys and ask them questions. And so I I asked these these pastors the same question. How do you stay like encouraged? Like, like, you know, like, like, because uh, pastoring is beautiful because you get to celebrate with people on the mountain, but then you're with them in the valley and there's a lot of death, and there's a lot of dying, and there's a lot of hurt, and pain, and crying, and tears. And, st- and so, so I asked this question, how do you stay encouraged? Both pastors, same thing. When I wake up, and I look at the ceiling, wherever I am, I just start thanking God. 
I start thanking God that if it's raining outside and it's dry in my house, I thank God for my roof. If my wife or whoever is next to me, I thank God that I'm not alone. If the birds are chirping, I thank God for the birds. <laughs> if it's sunshine and outside, I thank you for just I just celebrate the goodness of God. One pastor told me he's got a phrase and it's taped next to his bed. It's on his phone. Every day, the first thought in his mind, he's got a reminder in his phone. His alarm goes off. This is what it says. Today's going to be a good day because I have a heavenly father who loves me. The devil wants you to wake up and start running the worst case scenario for your day. You turn on Fox News and CNN, guess what? There's a missile, right? There, there's a pandemic. There's something. It's coming. It's fear. It's, it's bad. It ain't looking good. This one's different. It, 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 you know, like it's fear. It's fear. It's fear because fear grabs people's attention. But God doesn't want you living with that. And there's a battle in our minds. The real battlefield for the Christian is not out there. It's right here. And so every day, if you can say, you know what? I'm going to celebrate the goodness of God every single day. David said it like this, Psalm 34. Magnify the Lord with me. Celebrate his goodness. Focus on him. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and this is what he did. He delivered me. From all my fears, I was scared about stuff I shouldn't have been scared about. They that look to him are lightened. And so I want to encourage you, before you face your day and face your fears, face God. Look at him. Truth, goodness, and beauty. Find something to look at that's going good in your life. Find someone in your life that, that's encouraging, that's, that's you know, like they're, they're, and it's there, but anxiety asks you to focus on the problem 24-7. Anxiety asks you to just stay in bed and just meditate and ruminate on what happened to you or the bad that's going on in the world. And it's there, and I'm not discounting it, but rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Come on, somebody. Celebrate the goodness of God. The second one, A, this calm is the acrostic, calm. Goose rabbi, right? You know, you've seen that movie? Anybody seen that? Okay. I got about five of y'all in here. <laughs> um, that's like my favorite movie in the world, so y'all judge me if you want. Celebrate the goodness of God. Ask God for help. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Make your petitions. Let them be made known to God. And if you're like me, you don't like asking for help. You don't like reaching out to anyone. You want to try to figure it out on your own. And, and I think fear triggers a response. It's, it's prayer or despair. David wrote like this, Psalm 50, verse 15, Call on the Lord in the day of trouble, and he will deliver you. Jesus taught his disciples to pray this prayer. It's known as the Lord's Prayer, and most of you probably know it. But it's daily. It's not a monthly prayer. It's not a yearly prayer. And right in the heart of that prayer is, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. It lets me know that there's things that I need in my life that only God can give me. I can't get it from you. I can't get it from a doctor. I can't get it from anyone else. That there's things in your life that you cannot get from a person. 
And so we, we ask God for help. And it's not a, I think it's a, it's a, as we begin to practice this in our life, I think we see the provision of God in ways that we've never seen before. And so I want to encourage you, celebrate the goodness of God. Ask God for help. When you find a problem in your life, and maybe you have one or two, <laughs> there's probably a provision or a promise in this book that you can attach to that problem. And so ask God. I believe that he's always waiting eagerly to, to meet the needs of his children. Jesus said, you have not because you ask, seek, knock. Knock on the door. Ask God to help. And you may have been struggling with this thing for 25 years. I don't know. But keep asking. My son is a master at that. Six years old. If he wants something, he don't ask once. He asks everybody for it. He'll, get, he'll try mom first. And if she says no, he tries me. If I say no, he's grandpa. He's calling every, you know, he's asking the neighbors. Like, like, so just keep, just keep asking. Celebrate the goodness of God. Ask God for help. And I think this one is probably the most important. Leave. Leave your concerns with God. Some of you are carrying things that God's never asked you to carry. And some of you are worried about things that God hasn't asked you to worry about. And the thing about anxiety is it asks you to control, remember, everything and everyone and here's the reality we're not you're not god we, we can't do that i want you to do this just 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 raise your right hand for me say i hereby resign as the ruler of the universe thank you okay put it down there you go just leave it with god I bought a chainsaw a couple years ago, well, about yeah, two years ago. I have, I, it's a nice chainsaw, Husqvarna chainsaw. I'm all I like, you know. I like going outside and working and doing things like that. And within two weeks, I broke a brand new chainsaw, like two weeks. So, um, and and I worked on this thing, and I worked on this thing. I watched YouTube videos. You know, I'm sitting out there. I've got this tree I'm trying to cut down. And I got like, you know, maybe two minutes of work in and then the chain, you know, it broke and I couldn't get the chain back on, couldn't get it to work. I mean, I'm mad at this point. My anxiety levels are through the roof, okay? You know, I, I'm, you know, doing everything wrong. And, and so finally, I just decided, okay, I'm going to find somebody who can work on these things. So I looked it up. There's a small engine repair shop in, in Milton. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to go take this. I can't fix it. I don't know what to do with it. It's brand new. I broke it. Oh, well. They can judge me. And, uh, and so I bring it back. They're like, wow, you, you, already, you know, I bought it from them. And, um, and, and so they are a Husqvarna dealership, and, um, and they work on them as well, and I already broke it. And so I take this chainsaw in there, and I remember leaving it with her. And she's, you know, what's wrong with it? And I told her. And she's like, all right, that's no problem. We can fix that. Well, I wanted to like, kind of like stay there with the chainsaw. You know what I mean? Like as she starts to walk it in the back, I'm like, can, can I go with you? You know, because I, I kind of want to see how you fix this thing, because uh, I re you struck out a million times trying to fix this thing. She's like, no, we'll call you when it's ready. So, you know, two days went by. I called, you know, like, hey, is my chainsaw? How's it doing? Is it, a, is it ready? <laughs> a week went by. 
See, there's a difference between leaving your problems with God and then leaving your problems with God with strings attached. Because I want to leave this problem with God, but I'm checking in every, you know, 30 minutes to make sure he's still doing his thing. I'm calling to see, hey, how's it going? I'm, I'm watching. I'm because, because a lot of me, I, I want to be involved in this process, but there's some things that God says, you just got to leave it with me and leave it alone. Paul says it like this. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast your anxiety on him. That means, you know, you've seen somebody throw a cast net, right? You can't throw a cast net and hold on to it. You got to let it go. You leave it in the hands of God. And there's some things in life that we'll face and go through that we'll never understand why. There'll never be an explanation on this side of eternity. And we just got to leave it with God and trust him. But the problem comes when we're calling and we want to figure it out and we want to know how the progress is going. And so I just want to encourage you, leave your cares with God. So celebrate the goodness of God. Ask him for help. Leave everything with him. And then there's this last piece, which I think is probably the most important. He gives this list of things. You know, whatever is good, whatever is beautiful, whatever is pleasant, whatever is holy, whatever is, you know, think on these things. Why does he do that? And I'm finding in life that it gives you lemons. <laughs> There's a lot going on in the world right now. Life gives lemons. I had a friend call me six months ago or so. He went on a work trip. He came home. There was a letter on the table. His wife decided she won't be married anymore. Left him a letter. She went back to where she was from. Lemons. I know a pastor planted a church. 2020, he got diagnosed with a rare form of cancer. He's in the hospital for two months. Beat it. Came out of the hospital, found out that his worship pastor decided to start another church while he was in the hospital. So he comes back to his church. Church is gone. I talked to him this month. He's closing his church in 2023. lemons one of my best friends right now his dad got diagnosed with a really really aggressive form of Alzheimer's and he's having trouble remembering where he lives he has a tracker now because he's wandered off from his home can't work anymore and it's devastating the family I mean he was he was his dad And I could take this mic and I could give it to each one of you and I know you've got a story like that. Either you do or someone that you love. Life is handed on a lemon. Then this old saying, you've probably heard it before, when life gives you lemons, 
lemonade. Yeah, I don't like that saying at all. Like, you, you don't see the size of my lemon, number one. If I drank the juice out of my lemon, it'd kill me, all right? But this is what I'm finding, is that anxiety asks you to suck on the lemon. To take what's going wrong in your life, and before you go to bed, to pull that thing out and just suck on it and get all nice and bitter. And then as soon as you wake up, make sure that lemon's by your bed. Grab it and suck on that thing before you get, have breakfast. On your way to work, just listen to lemon sucking music while you have your lemon and you're sucking on that thing on the way to work. When life hands you lemons, it, you don't have to suck on them. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's, I think he's telling us to meditate, to suck on the good things. Whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is noble, pure, lovely, admirable, think, whatever, suck on those things, ruminate on those things. Why? So the God of peace will be with you. And I'm finding in my life that anxiety will not share a room with gratitude. He won't even come in the door. Can't do it. And if I could stay grateful, and if I could stay thankful, and if I could find one thing going right in my life, I may have a thousand going wrong. But if there's anything, I mean, where your focus goes, your energy flows. And if you could just find one good thing to focus on, focus on that, ruminate on that. And I know that sounds so simple. And again, I'm not discounting because there's people that that, that doesn't work. They need more. It's, there's, there's other ways and cures out there. But I think Paul is telling us, he's giving us some truth here. Meditate on the good. Because what anxiety wants you to do is it wants to rob all the good and the blessing that's in your life. And it wants you just to see the bad. And God is good. I think he's a whole lot better than we realize. And anxiety is just a constant distraction to what's wrong in the world. And it's a constant distraction to look at yourself and what's wrong with you or to look at other people and what's wrong with them or to look at the political system or the, you know, whatever. And there's a million gazillion things. But that's not what God's called you to do. He's saying, look at me, find something good. Let's just bow your head with me. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness in our life. You're so good to us. Thank you for waking us up this morning. Everybody in here is breathing on their own. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you, you, you've, you've put breath in our lungs. Thank you, God, for an amazing Thanksgiving. We got to see family and friends and celebrate community. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us that we were born in, this, in an incredible country where we have so many things to be thankful for. Thank you for being so faithful in our lives when we wanted to give up. When we were struggling so bad, it didn't look like there was a way out. But just at the nick of time, there was a light that shined. Someone called. Someone texted. 
He said, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, who's not only with us, but he's in us. At every moment of every day, and he's convincing us that we are the children of God, that we're made in your image, that we're destined for an incredible future and eternity with you. Thank you. I want you just to bow your head, keep your eyes closed. If you're here this morning and you say, man, this, this message, I've, I think it was for me. I've, I've really been struggling with anxiety. I haven't known what to do. and I feel like I'm, I'm, I've got an enemy in my mind. Just, just, just slip your hand up. I want to pray for you. Thank you. You can put it down, just up and down. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I just, every hand that went up and every hand that didn't, Lord, we just, we want to, we rebuke the voice of the enemy. He's talking so much right now. And you've told us that he's got one job. He is the father of lies. He's got a man, he's got a warehouse of them. And he tries to convince us of lies and convince us of things that aren't real. And so every hand that went up and the ones that didn't, God, I just pray for your peace right now. A peace that passes understanding. I don't have to know why it happened. I don't have to know why it didn't happen. I don't need an explanation. Lord, I just need your peace. Lord, let your peace, God, settle on the minds of every person in this room. I rebuke confusion and despair. Those are both works of the enemy. He wants us to live confused, wandering, chasing our own tail. But you said, no, you're a God of order. And so I pray for that to happen right now on the minds of your people. Help us decipher what's good, what's bad. We can't control thoughts, but we can control the ones we're going to focus on. God, help us to get order in our minds and realize when the enemy's talking lies and talking trash and not to listen to that stuff anymore. God, let your peace just settle down in our hearts and our souls today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen.